as your church, we're going to keep praying, praising and singing and turning to you. Knowing that if those heavy weights on our minds or our hearts or our bodies don't go away right away, God, that man, we'll keep praising you anyway. You give and you take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord who sets us free, who ties us into your spirit, the very source of all joy, peace, and love. Thank you for your grace for us, that you meet us right where we are. And I pray for continual freedom for your people and that you encourage everybody in this room today with, with your truth and with your love. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. 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 You may have a seat. Have a seat. It is so good to see you guys. Man, yeah. We, uh, Shelby and I are thrilled to be back with you guys. Some of you are like, yeah, right. No, it's true. It's true. You know, we had a, a wonderful time. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Shelby and I, both of our sets of family are all down south in Tennessee, and um, so we spent an extended time down there with our family, and I uh, mean, it was great because we didn't feel like we had to be in a rush. We could actually spend quality time with our family, but we are so glad to be back with our church family, too. Um, but I, I don't know if I should apologize ahead of time or not, but I, I, I can tell that after all that exposure down south, my southern accent's a little bit stronger, all right? It might, it might be this way for the next week or two, okay? So just, just be like, may it just warm your hearts, all right? <laughs> the southern accent there. And, I, and I, some of you mentioned how I got a little tan. You're lying, all right? I don't. I just freckle. I don't tan. I just freckle. Um, but we are so glad to be back with you guys. And uh, there was a point on the long ride, uh, we, had, we were flying out of Atlanta to come back, and on a long car ride back to Atlanta, um, we listened to all the messages from the last uh, Sundays that we have missed. Uh, just boom, boom, boom in a row. And by the end of that, man, our, Shelby and I, our hearts were full. Man, aren't you so grateful for David, Matt, Jason, Mark? Man, thank you guys so much for... And after listening to those messages, I think, man, these guys, we, we have so many in this church who love God's word and love you and really want to, to proclaim it in such a way that edifies and builds up his church. So, man, thank you to you guys so much and to all those who filled in in our absence. We are so thankful for you. Um, and all summer long, we've been going through a series, as you know, through the book of Ephesians. We're actually going to take a break from that just for today. Um, because today kicks off the beginning of, of a period in our church annual calendar uh, for, for prayer and fasting as a church. And so th this next two weeks, beginning today, is a time that we just set apart. You know, right now the, the vestiges of summer are kind of coming to an end. And some of the vacations may be done for, for most of us. And some of you are thinking about school starting up. And, and you're anticipating all the, how life's probably going to get busier for most of us in this room soon, right? Is that fair to say? And, but before it gets busy, we wanted to set apart two weeks that we are, learn to be with God before we start doing all of these things. 
And so these next two weeks, beginning today, is a time that we set apart. Not just to say, God, will you bless us? But, but to, to spend time with him so that our wills can be aligned with his. That what he cares about, we can start to care about. The more you spend time with God, the more that he begins to shift our focus on that, right? That we intentionally set apart time individually and corporately in order to, to, to deepen our relationship with God. And there's really going to be three parts to these two weeks. The first part is a daily one. And that we ahead of time have asked several people in this church um, to write out a, a prayer. And uh, they got sent out this, this morning. I think one of them got sent out. Um, and have, the, have several people in this church write out their prayers. And you're going to see a picture of their face, a short description of who they are. And they're, they're in line with different verses from Ephesians. And every day, you're going to, if you're part of our email blast, you're going to receive a different person's prayer every single day. And it's, or if you're part of the Trinity community page on Facebook, you're going to see those as well. But that gives us, each of us a chance, no matter where you are, to open that up and agree in prayer with the person who's praying in this congregation, as well as get to know some folks that maybe you haven't gotten to know yet. So daily portion. Uh, the second portion is Wednesdays. And that every Wednesday, the next two weeks, so both the 31st and the 7th, we're going to be meeting and inviting anybody who wants to come at 6 o'clock to join us in the fellowship hall for a time of corporate prayer. It's a time of worship, and then it's prayer. And don't worry if you're afraid. I don't know if I can pray in front of people. Just come. You're like, no one's going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. The most important part is that we have space where we can gather just for prayer and to listen to God, and to spend time with Him together. So it's this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, and then the following Wednesday night out in the fellowship hall. And we're doing it out there so we can gather in groups a little bit better. And then the third part is Sundays. Um, and so if, if, if you're like every other weaker kind of person, I encourage you, come every Sunday here in the next three weeks. Lean in with us. Today, um, Next week, we're going to continue the Ephesians series. The week after that, the 11th, is going to be a, a corporate time of prayer for us as a church. We've held services like this in the past, and it's something we're going to do again on the 11th, as well as just a blessing and a commissioning of you as the church to go and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of your community on the 11th. But today, we're going to begin it all um, on what we call a Vision Sunday, where the vision really just talks about the why behind all the what. You know, we, we, we have a lot going on in the life of this church over the next year, but why do we do it? What, are the, what, are the, what is the main reason that ties it all together? That's what I mean by vision this morning. And so we're going to dig into that together, and I encourage you, as you live out in the life of this church, I want you to see how everything we do is meant to be tied back to this, the central vision statement that's not from me, but it's right from Jesus. So let's begin by opening up to the book of Mark, chapter 1. And we're going to look at just three verses today. I know you guys have had people reading Scripture up here, um, but because these are so short, I'm just going to read it myself. And I'm actually uh, going to be reading from the ESV, and I'll explain why in a moment. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, but you can follow along in whatever Bible you have are on the screens. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. You guys ready? All right. 
passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. And I will make you become, everybody say, I will make you become. Fishers of men, say fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to break down that statement Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. I'm going to break that down into three parts. Follow me, I will make you become fishers of men and explain not only how that applies to every single one of us personally, but how that impacts on what we do as a church corporately. But my main idea today, if you get nothing else, is this. Jesus invites us to be with him so we can become like him and do what he did. Pray after me. Say, God. Everybody say, God. Open my heart. Instruct my mind. Show me who you are. And I invite you to speak to me and change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark 1.17 is really our focus. But before we dig into the text, let's get a little context, if we will. All right, so Mark wrote his gospel in order to inform people of who this guy Jesus is. And we get from the very beginning of Mark, this guy Jesus is way beyond anything we've ever encountered or known. I mean, the whole thing starts with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I mean, right there you're going, whoa. And then he announces, he says, oh, there's been an announcement that he's coming. That obviously makes him a pretty big deal. I mean, no one ever announces before I walk into a room, right? Maybe they do for you, but I mean, like, to actually announce ahead of time that he's coming, and then this guy named John the Baptist shows up, and he says, I'm not even worthy to, to untie his sandals. I baptize with water. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus is baptized, and it says the Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then immediately he goes out into the wilderness, it says, and he doesn't eat for 40 days. And he battles against temptations coming from Satan. And he wins. It's like, whoa. And then he shows up on the public scene and says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, what we gather from the very beginning of Mark right now is whoever this Jesus guy is, he's a complete boss. <laughs> right? Like, like this guy is it. And then he shows up the very next scene in what we read, and all of a sudden, calls a couple of fishermen to follow him. Why? Because he needs their help? <laughs> I mean, based on what we've read so far, it shouldn't seem like it. So why does he call them? And why does he call us? Why does he invite us, you, me? See, Jesus invites us to be with him, not because he needs us, but because he loves us. And from the very beginning, notice that, that phrase. He says, follow me. 
Now, in order to understand a little of what's going on here, we've got to understand the, the, the rabbi-disciple relationship. In that culture, a rabbi was considered the expert, the teacher on the law. Who, who, who is, but if there was somebody close to perfect, the rabbi was as close as you could get. And if you were an ordinary person, Jewish person in that day, man, you would want to follow that rabbi. And you would, if you followed that rabbi, that rabbi invited you to follow him, you would be given unrestricted access to his life. And everywhere he went, you would go. There's this old uh, ancient statement that says, follow your rabbi, drink in his words, and be covered by the dust of his feet. That this would begin a relationship with the rabbi. That the moment they began to, to follow after him, it meant that they, were, they would know their master personally, but also they must follow him exclusively. But see, there's one thing about Jesus that was very different from other rabbis of his day. Because normally rabbis would go and look for the top students in Hebrew school, and those were the ones they would invite. They'd look for the valedictorians. They would look for the, the people with the best SAT scores. Like, like they, they would look for those kinds of students but Jesus meets ordinary fishermen, at least from our vantage point. And he doesn't hold a tryout. He doesn't have a competition to see who can quote the most verses. He calls them right where they are. These guys are still in their mess. They have plenty of issues. They have tons of questions. If you read the rest of Mark, you'll see they got a lot of growings left to do. But Jesus doesn't wait until they figure it out first. He calls them in the midst of their mess right where they are. Isn't that exactly where Jesus met you? That's exactly where he met me. Right in my mess. I didn't even know how messed up I was. And so he started revealing stuff to me in the years to come, right? But he, he meets us right where we are in his grace. And what, when he says, follow me, that phrase in the original language actually means, hey, come up right behind me here. Don't be far. Don't be distant. I want you right here. And when we were flying out of Atlanta to come back to Boston, if you've ever been to Atlanta, how many have been to Atlanta airport before? It is a zoo. And that's my, to my kids, I said, hey, all of you, all three of you, I have nine, seven, and five, right here, <laughs> right here. Don't go anywhere. Now, my response is more out of anxiety, right? Because I, I wanted to protect them. And Jesus, but Jesus calls us. He says, I want you right here. I don't want you distant. But not because he's anxious. It is because he wants to protect. But it's also because he loves. And he wants us with him, close to him. So that we, just like the disciples, could know him personally. But remember, there's another part of being a disciple. Not only do you know the master personally, but you follow him, what? Exclusively. And now that's the hard part. At least it is for me. Because you see that while there's this amazing invitation for unrestricted access to Jesus' life, that he says, come and follow me and be with me in all parts of life, this also means that they had to drop their nets and go. And instead of being distracted and following several, they had to give their lives fully to him. 
You see, when we follow Jesus, he expects a massive commitment. He expects everything. But he's the only one who promises everything in return. It's a massive commitment, but it's a massive outcome. Because see, a relationship with Jesus, following him, is what we call a covenant relationship. And a covenant, probably the, the closest example we have is, is the covenant of marriage. And when two people form a covenant in marriage, man, you expect the whole heart of both individuals to be in, right? And it's the same with Jesus. But only Jesus, out of all the people who say, follow me, only Jesus gave everything for us first. He gave his whole life for you, out of love for you, to forgive your sin so that you might be made right with God. And then he invites you into God's family. And he gives you his spirit so that everything we bring to him, like, it's nothing compared to everything that he gives to us. And church, do you realize that Jesus is saying to you right now, I want you right here. Before we get going in any busyness, in the midst of life, no matter what you're going through, Jesus says, I want you here, right behind me, following me exclusively, not so that I can limit your freedom, but so that I can set you free. And this is exactly why we're beginning this year with two weeks of prayer and fasting. Because we want to start as a church, before we start doing for Jesus, we want to practice being with him. We want to learn to be with him. Prayer is not as complicated as we often make it to be. Prayer can be talking to God, it can be listening to God, it can be worshiping God. Really, prayer is when we set our minds and our attention on Him. Whatever that might be, when we take it off other things and set it on Him. And fasting is when we make a personal decision between you and God of choosing to take your eyes off something else in order to put it on Him. The fasting is a decision where, where we decide, hey, I'm gonna, for, for some period of time... I'm going to choose to give up food, or you could be media, alcohol, some other thing, so that I can give that time, that energy, that attention to Jesus and spend that time in prayer. And if you want more of an explanation of what fasting is, we've emailed a few times out to you guys just a short description of what, try to answer some of those basic questions. But if you didn't get that, there's a hard copy of it on your way out on that big desk out in the foyer. Just simply grab one of those hard copies out there and read it and pray about it. Consider it. Right? No one's going to check in on you to say, are you fasting? No one's going to do that. That's, that's, that's between you and God. Between you and God. Because it really, it, it, it's out of our own hunger for God that we, we choose whether or not fasting is something we want to do and how and what that might look like. But I encourage you, as a church, pray, join in. Set apart time daily that you normally wouldn't to spend time with Jesus, to read his word, just to focus your attention on him. If you normally listen to sports radio on the way to work, turn on worship music instead. Maybe, like, but, and then join us on Wednesdays at 6. Come in on Sundays. But we realize that the Christian life begins not by doing all these things for Jesus. It begins by learning to follow with him. By learning to remain close become available. You know, our vision statement as a church is that we want to see people rooted in Jesus. That's exactly what we're talking about. 
that we learn to live our lives with him because we know that as we are rooted in him, up from that comes the joy, the peace, the love. can only come from learning to be with him and remaining close to him. You guys tracking? You with me? This section is. You guys with me? Yeah? You good? But see... Here's, the re- like, here's what Jesus does, though, because as we learn to live with him, then he makes us become like him. Because it's after he says, follow me, that he says, I will make you become. Oh, I love that. Now, if some of you are reading with the NIV translation, you may see it, it reads or translates, and I will send you out. I'm not a big fan of that translation. I think it's a little bit confusing because the original word, and I don't mean to get geeky on Greek here, but the original word for right there is Jesus uses this word genestai. Genestai is the verb form of the word genesis. What is genesis? It's the beginning. It's a new creation. It's a new work. And so when Jesus says, follow behind me, he says, I will bring about a new work in you. And that's exactly what happened. As we spend time with Jesus, as we follow him, we begin to grow. And we begin to grow to become like him. And it's not because of our work, but it's because of what he is doing in us. But what are we growing to become? Well, like our rabbi, like our rabbi. That was the whole reason why disciples followed their rabbi in that day, is to become like the rabbi. And everything the rabbi was, they wanted to become. And we follow Jesus so that even our motivations and our habits, our lifestyles, our thought life, the way we treat other people, how we work, why we work, all of these things that we might become like him. So you see, Jesus does meet us right where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. (laughs) He does that in order to grow and change us. And as Philippians 2.13 says, it is God who works in you both to will, change our motives, our will, and to work for his good pleasure. But here's the thing that I've discovered in this Christian life is that I love the, the, the picture of what growth will look like in me one day, but I don't like the process of getting there. Because if I'm going to grow, all of a sudden Jesus has to lead me to confront my fears, my insecurities, my selfishness, the way that I treat other relationships for myself. He has to address my mess if I'm going to follow him. And that's hard. Man, when somebody has hurt me, I know that following him means that he's going to lead me to forgive them but because that's what he did to me. But that's hard. Man, it's overwhelming when he leads us to face our own social fears. But then I learned to become like him who loved all people. It's clunky. So clunky. And he teaches us how to trust him in situations we didn't know how to trust earlier. But then we become like him who always trusted his father. So anytime I get to those places, 
where Jesus is leading me to a place and I have to confront. Like, I, I'm, anxiety is getting the best of me. Anger is getting the best of me. All I want to do is what I want to do. My temptation in that moment, instead of being right behind him, is to kind of take a step back. Anybody with me? I just don't want it to hurt so bad. So how do we learn to remain close? Well, I think one of the best ways we do that is by leaning into a church community like this one. Because if you notice, when Jesus called Simon and Andrew, he called them together. And he called them into a group of others who were also following Jesus. And this is the reason why we as a church don't just gather on Sunday morning to have a Jesus party, right? But why we also have various home groups that meet at different houses at different times of the week to accommodate different people. And why we have small groups and studies, men's groups, why we don't just come here and listen, but we we lean in and and look at each other in the face and have to get to know each other and build relationships. Because we know that if we are leaning in into a group with other people and actually getting to know them and allowing them to get to know us and doing life together, then that's when we see growth happen the most. Because now I know if I'm going through something hard, if I'm facing my fears, if I'm being darn right selfish, I have other people who will hold me accountable out of love for me. And so in the middle of September, Teresa already gave you a heads up as to when women's Bible studies are starting. That's an example of groups, smaller groups that meet in the church. We also have small groups that meet at different people's homes. A men's ministry has, has an event they put together. Um, I'm not quite sure when that is yet, but we'll get you more information about that um, as to how we can gather together because we, we want to make sure we give space for us to look each other in the face, not just look behind each other's heads, right, like on a Sunday morning. Because as we gather together in those groups, That's when I've grown the most because I'm actually allowing myself to be vulnerable with somebody else, to recognize that, man, they're saved by grace like me, so let's grow together. You guys with me? So that begins mid-September. If you're not a part of one, please see uh, Pastor David Anastasi, or you can email him at david at trinitynr.org to connect with any of those groups. But we're going to do, the way we're going to set up this calendar year As we recognize that from mid-September to about Advent, we're going to have a time where we're asking our groups to meet. We normally take a break for Christmas. But then in January and February, instead of asking groups to start meeting again, we're actually going to take a break and we're going to hold a four-week marriage class. From, Jan- from January into February, because we found that our groups are made up of many different people from many different walks of life. We don't want someone to feel like they have to leave their small group to now come and be a part of a marriage class. And not every year will there be a marriage class in January. We might, we might make it a parenting class one year, something like that. But we're always going to try to think about how do we equip the family, because the family also has to gr- learn to grow together too. Amen? The family is the, like, that's the original small group. <laughs> 
So, so we want to make sure that we are equipping parents and marriages and we're strengthening our families as well. So we're going to give time and space for that in January. And then we're going to ask our groups to meet again starting mid-February to mid-May. We're going to take a time in mid-May to June just to celebrate as a church, all the graduation stuff, We've got Tech Mania coming up. And then in July and August, we're going to have a class period again where, we, where we're not exactly, those, those classes are to be determined, but we're going to uh, figure out, man, what are the needs here and how can we equip people in ways that maybe the groups aren't able to. You guys tracking with me? So, first things first, mid-September, if you're not a part of a group, if you're not in a, in a group of people where you can be known and know others, plug in. Plug in. Because Sunday's great. Sunday is where we celebrate all that God is doing and we, we, we pump each other up for the week ahead, right, as we glorify Jesus. But groups are where we get to know people. That's where we grow. And as we learn to become like Jesus... We realize that becoming like Jesus is to also do what Jesus did. And in that initial statement, Jesus says, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men or fishers of people. So he met these fishermen where they were. And now he's speaking their language. But he's showing them. He says, I am calling you. But I'm calling you in such a way that it's going to reorient all of your life now around what God cares about. And that's reaching people. And again, Jesus doesn't need us. But out of love, he transforms us so that we can have a heart to be his people and to be about his business. Not because, again, he's trying to restrict our freedom, but because he made us. And he knows that we were called to, to give ourselves away in love for others so that, and point back, point others to Jesus. But it's going to mean that as we follow Jesus and he, does, and he begins to change our heart, that he's going to reorient the way that we see a lot of our lives. There's this great parable I read recently about a farmer who was walking down this dirt road. And he comes up against another farmer who has five young sons out helping him repair a fence. And the guy who's walking along says, hey, why, why, are you, why do you have these five young sons out here helping you repair a fence? He says, it's going to take you five times as long to do this. Like you could get it done a lot faster if you just did it by yourself. How many parents know that's true? Right? You could get it done a lot faster if you just did it by yourself. And the guy with the sons said, but you got it all wrong. He says, I'm not repairing a fence. I'm raising sons. You see the reorientation. Because all of a sudden, he began to see the same thing he always did. He began to see it through a different lens. And as we follow Jesus, and we take on his heart and his character, all of a sudden, we start going to work. But work is not just about checking off that I did something or making money. Work is now about, God, where are the opportunities you're placing in front of me to bring your good to others, bring glory to you, to build relationships? When we're looking for homes or a place to live, when Jesus reorients us, it's not just about what I want, what will make me feel comfortable. It's about, God, where are you sending me? Where are you establishing me? Who do you want to reach around where I will live? 
And when we come to church, when he begins to shift things up, we come to church not just asking, hey, how can I get something out of this? We're coming to church saying, how can I also give something to somebody else? And when we, when we raise kids, we realize we're not just raising kids or grandkids to, to make them happy people when they grow up, but so that they can make an impact in this world. You see, Jesus begins to reorient and shift the way we think so that we become about the things that God is about. So that last part of our vision statement, we say rooted in Jesus, growing together, serving our community is the last part. Serving our community doesn't mean that we're trying to make a bunch of nice people. I mean, I hope you're nice. But it's not just nice people. It's about taking on a servant posture, just like Jesus had, to this world. And that we might then look outside of ourselves to our community with the hope and prayer, God, may they find the same freedom in you that I found. Amen, everybody. Yeah. yeah. So when we look ahead to this upcoming year, we see our role as a church is to try to facilitate multiple opportunities so that we learn to think outside of ourselves. We can't do the work of transformation. I can't. Jesus does. But we try, we try to provide opportunities to do that. So that's why we ask, we need volunteers to come serve one another and serve guests who come into the life of this church. You see, every Sunday morning, we got ushers, we got worship team, we got soundboard, we got hospitality team over there, we got greeters, we got, we got people serving every which way because that's what needed in order to serve you guys who are coming in. And if you've been coming for a while, I encourage you, man, lean in. Maybe, maybe there's a team to join on that. And if Sunday's not your thing, then we have many other volunteer opportunities in the life of this church. Just reach out to me and I will make sure and let you know what they are and we can get you plugged in serving. But there's all kind of other ways too. Like here in a few weeks, we have a team of people who are going to Kentucky because there's an area in Kentucky that has been devastated. It's a, like a tornadoes back in December 2021 came through this area of Kentucky. Uh, it's about a mile wide, but 200 miles long. And these tornadoes came and just devastated everything in their path. And tornadoes, like, they're different from hurricanes. They just destroy everything, which typically means they have to rebuild. And we, ha and we are linked up with an organization called Fuller Center Disaster Rebuilders, who are taking a team of people down October 2nd to October 8th, and they're going to help rebuild. You don't need to have any skills necessary to be a part of that. Like, they do all on-site training that you need. We just need willing people to go, to go and give a hand. And there's an information meeting right about, about that right after this service today. And you can go and, and learn more about that. But we have that coming up. We have our foster care ministry. There's an information meeting about that after this service as well, if you want to learn more about what it means to get involved in foster care. This Christmas, we're going to take buses of people. I'm saying that prophetically. Buses of people to go caroling out in our community this Christmas. Some of you, how many of you guys did that last Christmas with us? Wasn't that, you guys have a good time? Yeah, yeah you did. We're going to go caroling. Now, we, we are going to do a serve day again this year. Last year, it was during the Advent season. This year, it's going to be in the spring instead. All right, it's going to be a little bit more in the spring because we want to make sure we can get out and do a lot of yard cleanup work for people. Uh, so in the spring, look for that. 
But all these ways and more are ways that we just try as a church to facilitate opportunities for us as a church to get involved, to learn to love like Jesus so that we can become like him. But overall, while we do what we do, Jesus invites all of us to be with him so that we can become like him and do what he did. That's what a disciple of Jesus is. And on our back wall, maybe you see it every week or maybe you don't. But it says exactly what Jesus commanded us as church. Go and make disciples of all nations. We didn't make this stuff up. This is from Jesus himself. And he is our king. And he's leading us to do this. But what I love about, about this church is when I talk about all of this, all these examples kept popping in my head of ways we're already living into this. It's not as if we're just like division so far away. No, we already are seeing it lived out here in this church. I've watched people this past year come out of a lifestyle of addiction and the Holy Spirit does something in their hearts. And they come up to me and they says, I just want to listen to worship music now and I don't know why. All of a sudden they have a desire to be with Jesus. We have a group of teenagers who we have a youth leader who are meeting with them on a regular basis to teach them how, how to pray and how to do different spiritual disciplines. And we're seeing them learn to enjoy time with Jesus. I've watched people come into this church and they've had past relationships that have left them with trauma. But now I see, I've, I see them finding healing in the, by, from Jesus and learning to trust again. I've watched groups of moms and dads jumping into groups with other moms and dads because they're learning how to be the parents that God has called them to be. I've seen others tell me about opportunities they've had to tell their coworkers about Christ. Others give up vacation time to serve for a Fuller Center trip or for Tech Mania one week. I see, there's, a, there's a small group that just went out to the projects in Lawrence and dropped off all these school supplies and started getting out and praying for people and praying that people would be healed right there on the spot. I've seen Sunday school teachers who volunteered because we need Kids volunteers, plug. We always need kids volunteers. Nursery, preschool. But we've seen Sunday school teachers who have heard that call. And from that said, all right. And then I see them a few months later. They're like, I love these kids. I've seen radical generosity in the life of this church. People give above and beyond what even like we say a tenth of our income, well above and beyond that, and give joyfully. More than once in this past year, someone has given their car to someone in need in this church. Guys, we're doing it. All right, we're already doing it. But what we're encouraging you is lean in with us. Let's live into this more fully and ask. Just start by asking. We're beginning two weeks of prayer and fasting. God, how would you have me set apart time with you that I can learn to be with you in these next two weeks. And maybe that habit you start in these next two weeks will be something you carry into the next year because you just see how sweet it is to live life with him. But Jesus invites all of us to be with him so we can become like him and do what he did. Amen, everybody.